so happy Sabbath uh, to all of you that are joining us at this moment. Um, we hope that this afternoon you guys are all doing great wherever you may be at. We're still in quarantine, unfortunately, uh, but um, but here we are. And uh, again, we want to welcome everybody. Uh, we have Jason, Andrew, and myself, uh, uh, Mitchell. Uh, we want to welcome all of you once again for connecting with us and joining us. Just a quick shout out to those who are joining us. Uh, we got Elias on already he's the first one always faithful so we're, we're happy to have yes, him on great. you're always right on time yeah absolutely i mean i think he's on before we are actually live uh we have chris lopez uh we have lou Celis. i think you might know her andrew uh and and today we got uh giovanni esposito on the chat as well so pastor Gio, uh it's good to, it's good to see you on our chat uh happy sabbath um you know just just to begin i'm gonna i'm gonna just say it right now I'm wearing my Hawaiian shirt, guys. It is getting warm out there. I wish we could be at church, but we can't. We got to do this. I want to know how you guys are doing. I'm doing great, but how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I mean, where I'm at currently right now, the, the thermometer says 103 outside. So it's rather warm outside. And I am wearing jeans because you know how there's people like that put like the business up top and like comfy at the bottom. No, I actually have jeans on. Very nice. I was melting, but now... I feel comfy, but um, yeah, I'm doing good, and all that, all that could count. I'm, I'm well, and God, God's, God's been taking care of me. That's good. That's good. How about you, Andrew? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, if I'm be honest, I was wearing a, a long sleeve before this. I came home. I, I, I changed tops, man. It's too hot, dude. I don't know if you guys can see the, the, the sweat on me, man. Shiny forehead. And, and, and I have to confess, man. I, I'm business up top, but <laughs> I'll stop there, man. I, I got some shorts on the bottom. Hey, hey, you know what? Let's just keep it there. But I will tell you guys this. Uh, it is warming up. And thankfully, thankfully, because I think, uh, you know, we're getting to a point where we, we we're seeing some positive news about this virus. I mean, people are still yeah. dying. We're still praying for it. But I think I'm hoping that the heat is going to do some type of miracle with this, that the Lord's going to work through the heat. And this virus is slowly going to start being pushed away. I would really that's hope that's so. what I'm hoping for. I would really um, hope so, man. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Hey, hey be, before we start, can, I wanted to say something. Hey, uh, what is it? Master Chief, man. I was picking on Master Chief last time. I want to I wanna officially apologize if you're there. I thought it was my brother. So I was going a little bit hard. I was going a little bit pointed at Master Chief. So, you know, hopefully he joins us this time. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But again, uh, another shout out to Desiree, who also uh, is telling us happy Sabbath on the chat. So uh, it's, it's good to see all of you joining us. And um, we want to jump straight into this conversation. By the way, uh, I think we have an interesting conversation today, um, uh, a conversation, and, and to be honest with you, and this is total honesty right here, I have no idea, we have no idea how this conversation is going to go. Yeah. Okay, like humanly speaking, we have no idea. Uh, we do hope and pray that the Holy Spirit is going to guide this conversation, because I think it's a very important one. Uh, but aside from us uh, kind of getting together earlier in the week, and we, you know, we try to choose what topic is going to go along with something that we've talked about before in continuation um, and, and so on. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've decided that this is just one of those topics where we're going to talk very little about beforehand so that we come here with different ideas, different angles. So I really don't know how this conversation is going to go. Also, um, just, this is just as a quick announcement for all those who have been joining us Sabbath after Sabbath. Um, you know, we have an idea on what to officially call these conversations and no, it's not jam. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know some of you have been on that and you got, you guys like the J A M, which if you don't know, stands for Jason, Andrew and Mitch. Um, 
so these are conversations with Jam, but but our title, at least the title that we officially want to call this, is "Keep Calm and Advent On." Again, that's "Keep Calm and Advent On." If you like this title, let us know on the chat. Okay, we want to know and make sure that this is something that you guys approve of as well. Keep calm and Advent On podcast, video chat, Zoom conversation, whatever it is, with Jam. That's the idea. Keep calm and Advent On with Jam. Uh, if you guys think that works, let us know, because uh, that's the route we're going at this moment. Anyways, um, so we're going to jump into this conversation. Uh, let's. I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll dive straight in. And we want to remind everybody that is watching us live, uh, if there is a comment, we want to include these comments in our conversation. If there's a question, we want to include that as well. So as we're going along with this conversation, the Holy Spirit speaks to your mind, or you got a question. Let us know if we can answer it. We'll try. And that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, so wherever you're at, um, whoever you may be with at this moment, just bow your heads real quick with me as we have a word of prayer and we ask the Lord to bless us at this moment. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be able to speak about such an important topic. And we hope that as we have asked before, that this conversation may be a blessing to everyone who is watching us live and everyone who will watch us later on. And we're asking, Lord, that um, as we talk about these things, that even though uh, we're coming from different angles, from different points of views, from different backgrounds, that the Holy Spirit may guide everything. That's really what we're asking for. Please bless us at this moment. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Um, so for those of you who may not know, um, our conversation today is on morality. Okay, it's on morality. And uh, I feel like this is a very loaded word, right? It is, it is a, a word yeah. that has a lot of meaning, maybe not so much definition-wise, but in application. It can mean a lot of different things. So we want to start off by defining what morality is. So when we put it on the poster, we put it on the promo, you saw it, and it said, uh, right, wrong, and who determines morality? What is it that we're trying to define as morality? So I want to open it up there. Um, when we say morality, what do we mean? Well, I mean, if we look just at the dictionary, uh, I was pulling up the definition right here. It says, principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. So that's really what it is. In essence, it's just like what's right and what's wrong. Now, the broader picture is really defining, okay, what helps me understand what's right and what's wrong? How do I choose? Do I choose it myself? Does society make those choices for me? Or, does it, or is it the God that I believe in? Is, is, is that entity the one that, the, the one that chooses the, my set of, uh, of morals? Okay, very well. What about you, Andrew? What do you say? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I had the same definition here, right? Principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior, right? When we look at, um, you know, and many of the conversations that we've been having, you know, many of the words that, uh, or that have come up, right? Things like fear, right? Uh, we, we've kind of defined them from a biblical perspective. But when we look at the word morality, and maybe you can help me here, I don't think the word morality, the word morality is found in the Bible, the word morality. I, I know we have the, the word immoral that pop, pops up a lot, right? But the, the specific word morality does not pop up in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think what we have to try to do is kind of what we've been doing 
uh, in these last series of conversation, right? Kind of try to uh, extract some of the meanings of the things that we're talking about, right? Uh, kind of like, uh, just for an example, right? The, um, the word Trinity, right? It's not something that's found in the Bible, but we know that the Bible uh, talks about unity, talks about uh, uh, the tr Trinitarian perspective, right? And, and the same goes for morality. We don't see the word morality in the Bible, but so, so it is that we have to try to extract uh, the meaning of morality from what we have here, right? So we think to ourselves, does the Bible talk about right and wrong? And I would say, sure, right? Uh, we look at the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, I, I read this quote, I, don't, I forgot where I, where I read it, but it said that everything that we have on uh, ethics and morality in the last 20 years are just footnotes to the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. right? So I have such a powerful statement, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we have the Ten Commandments, and but it becomes a little bit, I guess, uh, hard to define, right? When we don't have the clear word, but we definitely have uh, 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 the ethics and the right and wrongs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let me let me uh, let me say something about the word because it is true. Morality is actually not a biblical word, um, and the reason, primarily, at least out of what I know, is that morality is actually a word that comes from the Latin, not from the Greek, uh, or from the Hebrew, for that matter. Uh, so, if it doesn't come from Hebrew, from Greek, it's a word that is later on composed comes from uh, the word moralis. And moralis essentially means uh, customs or proper behavior in public, right? So it, it still kind of goes along that line. Uh, some people would probably argue that um, the New Testament probably will speak about uh, ethics more than uh, this idea of morals. Again, because moral come from, comes from the Latin, at least speaking uh, with the words, right? Speaking um, uh, grammatically and verbally. Uh, but uh, even the word ethos, for example, is not in scripture. And even, and I don't, I can't say for every single term where it is translated in our Bibles to English as immoral. Um, but I do know that uh, most of the times when you see immoral in the New Testament, you're actually talking about porneia. And so it, it's translated as sexually immoral, uh, but it's really one word, right? So it, it's still not quite the same thing. I agree with you guys, though. I think that... Um, the simple definition of, of morality is anything concerning the distinction between right and wrong. Um, I do think that there's another word that, that becomes interchangeable. I think the word ethical is also a word that we use, right? We, we say um, morality, but then we'll say, is something ethical or not, right? And ethical generally means the determination of something that is proper, something that is good. Um, so uh, when we say, and just to make sure we're all on the same page, so at least when we say uh, morality. What we're what we're talking about is the distinction between right and wrong. Right is and that, wrong. Do we all agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, perfect. So, uh, by the way, a uh, quick shout out to everybody who's joining us. Uh, we did have some more um, some more just uh, shout outs here. Uh, Arturo Ramirez, uh, saludos, buenas tardes, Dios me lo bendiga. It's good. It's good to see uh, my father-in-law, your father-in-law on as well. Um, also, I see Cindy on here. I haven't I haven't seen or spoken to Cindy in a very long time. So, Cindy. It's good to see you on. Happy Sabbath. And we have uh, uh, Jessica, a.k.a. Tracy Dane, I think, uh, on, on as well. So we want to welcome everybody that's joining us. And again, we do want you to be part of the conversation as we go along. So here's the million-dollar question, all right? If, if morality is anything concerning the distinction between right and wrong, why should I care about morality? Why is it even important? I think that's the that's that's a very important question to ask, especially today. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, why is morality important? I think it's a 
you know, uh, it's like we're talking about it's an ethical question. And I think that we can look at it from two perspectives, right? Um, I want to actually talk about two different perspectives, but when we look at morality, I think just from a, uh, I don't even know if this is a word, a humanistic perspective, right? From a humanistic perspective, if we think of morality, right? Uh, I guess we can say from a purely uh, survival standpoint, right? Uh, I think uh, morality is very important, right? I think uh, if, if we if we let go of morality, it can pretty much become unlivable, right? There was a, a um, there was a video I was watching. Um, I don't know if you guys you guys know who Ravi Zacharias is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's an, a Christian apologist. I'm sure you guys know. Um, there's this guy that comes up to him, right, and and um, he he he's he's talking to him about morality. He tells him, you know, I've seen you guys all night grapple with the ideas of purpose, you know, grapple with the ideas of, of morality, right? He says, why are you guys putting so much emphasis on this morality? Why, what are you guys so scared of, yeah. right? What are you guys so scared of, right? He says, I don't see any people uh, raping and pillaging and doing all these things, right? I think we're all right. Why do you guys grapple with this idea of morality, right? Why is it so important to you? And I, I like the way that, uh, that Ravi uh, Zacharias actually answers him, so that he gets straight to the point. Right. He says, do you lock your doors at night? Yes, I've seen, I've seen this video. <laughs> right? I've seen it. Have yes. you seen that one? Yes. Right. Do you lock your doors at night? Right. right. And when we pose the question, right, he says uh, it, it's cavalier. Right. The way we say, of course. Right. When we think about it, it, it seems like oh, at, uh, at face value, maybe it m might not be as important. But I want to give you guys um, just a, a, a scripture right from uh, Genesis six, five through six. Right. M many of us know this. Right. Why? And we're asking, why is it so? Uh, morality is something that's so important, right? In uh, Genesis 6, 5 through 6, right? It says, Lord, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled, right? In verses 11 through 13, it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how, how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Of course, we all know this story, this, the story of Noah, right? Uh, uh, and then God was, was deeply sorrowed and grief, right? But we can see how slowly, right? Not only the effects of sin, but the, the lack of morality or the loss of morality, right? Uh, can lead to, to somewhere where it's practically unlivable. It says, there was continually, sure. the inclination was continually evil, right? And violence all the time. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to say something about the the video that you mentioned, uh, the clip of, of Ravi. It's, it's the weirdest thing when people say we're doing all right. And just as a simple example, currently right now, as we're dealing with the coronavirus, you know, we got the stay at home orders in the state of California. And uh, I, I read an article that Sheriff Department, Orange County is concerned because there has been a 25% increase in domestic violence calls. Mm -hmm. Yo, hold on. Wait a minute. We're staying home so that we can save lives. Mm -hmm. And that's causing additional violence. Anybody that goes and says we're doing all right is talking a bunch of nonsense, in my opinion. Like, you can't go in and say we're doing all right. Violence is still around. We haven't gotten rid of violence. We don't have world peace. Uh, we still have dictators on this earth. Like we still have discrimination and racism and, and sexism and, and abuse left and right. You cannot say we're doing all right. And, and this is why I think in part, the question of, of right or wrong is so important because it's still, it's still valid. It still makes sense. Oh yeah. I was actually reading a similar article saying about that, but this was in Mexico and it wasn't just domestic violence calls. 
Mm. It was deaths, women deaths due to domestic violence. And just like you said, like, instead of saving lives, like there's other lives. There's right now, like they're just reporting the lives that are being lost, unfortunately, to COVID. But they're not talking about all the kids that are getting abused at home. No one's talking about the women that are getting abused or killed at home. No one's bringing that up, even though that, that's an issue. And it, and it does come down to morality, like your morality, like what are your beliefs? What do you believe is right? And what do you believe is your belief is wrong? You know, and it really comes down to that. It's, it's, it, it like back to the original question, why is this important? Situations like this, obviously if you have, uh, if you don't have any type of morals, you're gonna think it's all right to beat on a woman if you're upset. You're gonna, think it's, you're gonna think it's all right to beat a kid to a death pulp because they, they I don't know, made a mess or they broke a vase or something like that. You're gonna think it's okay because in this case, because you're the man of the house, you know? But that, that's not how it works. If we look at it out of a, a predominantly um, a biblical aspect, we know that that's not we know that's not right at all. That's not that's not something that Jesus would have done. Which is also something. It's a line, like when the, I was actually talking to someone this week about this. I asked him, okay, what do you think um, when someone talks about to you, says the world the word morality to you? And the person told me, the first thing I think is it's something that could be covered or fixed easily by thinking, what would Jesus do? Mm. Mm. As Christians. That's that really is like a like a very basic but profound answer to the question: What is morality? Sure. What would Jesus do? Because Christians, what is it? Followers of Christ. So, what would Jesus do? Obviously, Jesus isn't going to do something that the Bible regards as immoral, something as something that is illicit. No, everything that Jesus did in, with went with accordance to one, the Ten Commandments, and to the morals of the time and morals that can be used up until this day. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, kind of, uh, you know, aside aside from this idea, right, that it's important because of all the violence and all the problems that we're seeing, I wanted to come at it from a different angle here. I think it's important because it's part of the great controversy, mm -hmm. the, the great cosmic conflict that exists in, in, in what we can't see and what we do see as well. I see a very clear battle, and throughout history, I think we've seen this, between good and evil. This has existed. Like, we can't deny that. Um, I, I look at, for example, the things that happened surrounding World War II and the, the attempted extermination of the Jews, and you wonder, you, you wonder for a second, do we not call that evil? Do we not say that is evil? Because the moment that you say that that is evil, then you have to have the opposite as true, right? Then there must be such a thing as good. And immediately you have a conflict between each. And from a uh, at least from our church's perspective, and at least the way we see things as a as a uh, from a worldview, from a, especially from a biblical revelation based worldview, um, there is a battle between good and evil, and this is the battle that we present between Jesus and Satan, between God and His enemy and the adversaries, between the good angels and the fallen demons, between God's people and the people who are not of God. So, it, morality is important because this is the backdrop of everything right and wrong like th like these are the two things that are going on and, and again I, I think that's slightly different I, I mean i agree all these other things that you guys are saying but i think this is important as well yeah no i uh, no, exactly i that was the uh, second part of to you know i wanted to give a, a kind of two points you know on the importance of morality right we have the you know uh, uh the humanistic perspective but then we go even deeper uh, you know, to that, you know, why is, why else is moral, morality important, right? Uh, we were having, I was actually having a Bible study uh, a, while, a while back, right? 
on the is God necessary, right? And we're kind of looking at some of the evidences, right, for, for the existence of God, right? You know, intelligent design, purpose, creation, right? But when we look at morality, it's tied in with identity and purpose, right? You, you And you guys say, how so, right? If there is a moral law, that means that there should be a moral law giver, right? And and how do we jump from, from one point to that, right? If, there, if we assume that there is evil right which we see evil like we like like you were just talking about right now mitch some of the, the things the, the domestic violence right if we assume that there's evil then then we also assume that there's good mm-hmm. right and if we assume that there's good and evil then we assume that there is a moral law right mm-hmm. and it goes even deeper because not only is there a moral law that moral law is built in eight into us like a moral compass mm-hmm. and we know this from birth right you know we're born you know knowing that killing someone is bad you know, you, you, you know, a, a little kid uh, uh, hit, hit someone, hits another kid. They know that that's bad, right? We have this innate moral compass that, uh, that that's built in us. So it begs the question, right? If, if, if there's good and evil, right, there's a moral law. If there's a moral law, then what? That places intrinsic value on us, right? And, and because there's intrinsic value, that means that there's a mind higher than our mind that says, that that has an import uh, has a value to to uh the things that we do obviously right if we have this moral compass that tells us hey this is wrong hey this is good there must be a mind prior to the human mind that creates that moral law sure sure i, I like yeah. i like how andrew brought up the whole moral compass as a kid is hmm. we since kids like literally before you could before you teach your kid before they literally they, before they necessarily have like a like a clear distinction between what is right and wrong. You look at a child when they, when they're doing something that you know, that they know that their parent could potentially be upset at, what do they do? They go off and do it hiding. Hmm. And this is without them, them knowing a clear distinction between what is right and wrong. And that, that's something that I find crazy that, that we're already born with that natural compass. And now it's throughout how you throughout your you could say your circumstances your environment that which you live in that's how you then perceive your own morals it's not that we didn't have that we don't have something to help us like guide ourselves with because since we're little we know what's what could be wrong and what could be right but it's that the circumstances that you're in the environment that you're growing in and how you let that environment impact you how you end up deciding your morals okay but i'm going to push back on you guys just for a little bit though if i can I, I, I agree with the moral compass, and I know scripture talks about that, that there is a law that speaks directly to our conscience. I'm with that. But that moral compass is flawed. It is. Okay, I, like, I, mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm all for that there is this idea of maybe what is right and what is wrong, and yet I feel that there is something wrong with that. And I, I don't feel, I know that there is something wrong with that moral compass because I have to teach my child that this is wrong and then he starts hiding. You know what I mean? Like at first when, when for those of you who don't know, I have a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, a four-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl. You know, two-year-old girl goes in and just slaps the four-year-old boy in the face. And I got to say, no, don't do that. She knows. And I said, next time, you know, I'm going to have to take away your toy. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. Well, she does it again. And now she goes hiding. And so there's still a need for someone to tell me what is right and what is wrong. It is true. There is a moral compass. I just believe that it's flawed. 
Um, and I don't know if you guys want to respond to that real quick, but, but before you guys do, I just want to, um, recognize again, the people that are joining us. Thank you so much for connecting with us today. Uh, and we hope that this conversation is going to be a great blessing for you guys. Uh, we do have some interesting comments, um, uh, from Don Y. If morality isn't objective or needed, then morality depends on the time and place that you live. And I think we're going to get into that in a second. Um, also, Cindy, we do recognize there has been an increase in alcohol consumption. Absolutely. And that definitely goes into it. But it still uh, pushes the exact same point, which is we still have evil. That, that doesn't stop, right? And, and all we do with alcohol consumption is just simply uh, uh, start drowning that moral compass that we're talking about, it, it turns out, right? Um, and, and Elias Montes says, uh, practically establishing a common moral base is useful for a people to bring order and harmony without politics. If we're all on board and what's right or wrong, crime or sin will inevitably decline. And to this, I say, will it? If we all have, hold on, if we all have a common moral base, well, first of all, how do we even determine a common moral base? Because I think that's the problem. Can we even determine a common moral base? Some people would say that we have a common moral base. What do you guys think about that? So just to clarify, Don is actually Don in the so now we know who Don is. Don Y, I got it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I was wondering if the, the Y was Y-E-E -E for some reason, like Don Yee okay. or something like that. But I mean, that it, I feel like that question, the, the whole politics one, the, the, they'll bring order and harmony without politics. Um, uh, it's, it's more, it's, it's harder, to, it's harder to, to answer than it is to ask it because there, there's people obviously like we're Christian. So to us, like, that's the thing, like we have to view this out of a Christian scope because in a Christian scope, no matter what it is, you just, you have your reference of the Bible. Mm. You have to, re you, you could reference back to the Bible. You can tell if, if you're doing something wrong or if you're doing something right, you reference it back to the Bible. Or like I said earlier, you ask the question, what would Jesus do? Mm. You know, but if you're someone that doesn't have a religious background, if you're someone that doesn't have any type of religious belief, it's going to go back to the flawed um, uh, moral compass that we that, that we're born with, and if we're gonna if we're gonna try to establish our our moral or moral values, our our uh, our moral beliefs with the flawed moral compass, it's still going to be flawed. Right. So at the end of the day, no matter no matter how much you try to put it put it put certain morals into establishment it's still going to be flawed. So there's still, I personally believe that there's still going to be crime. Mm. There's still, and there's still going to be sin because it's already a flawed compass. It's something that it's, it's, you're starting with something flawed to begin with. Right. I mean, I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah. No, I just wanted to add, no, I, I completely agree with you, uh, Mitch, right. That, that there's a flawed compass and I wanted to get, I'm, I want to actually push back with a question right now, but I just wanted to make uh, one more point. Right. Uh, my point was to, to, to show that, because there's an eight, an eight moral compass in us, right? It points to something higher, right? And uh, I, there's this quote, uh, I, I, uh, I forgot uh, who wrote this, but the quote says, I can know what a book says and deny that there is an author, true, but there would be no book to read if there was no author. You can know the right thing to do and deny there is a God, okay. but there would be no right thing to do unless there was a God. Yes, there was a God. Fair enough. Now you said you had a question, though. You wanted to push yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my my next question, uh, right? We're talking about this uh, this moral compass, right? Uh, this flawed moral compass. My my next question to you guys would be: 
is it possible is it possible to be a moral person or or a moral person without god right because we, uh, we we see this I, I see this question all the time right and, and many people say it's like oh well i know people that are that are do more good or are better people than the people that are in the church which is says something about us right it's a, it's an sure. ouch ouch moment but what do you guys think you know is it possible to be a good person right you say we have this flawed compass right without knowing god what do you guys think uh, yeah i i think i think that's an excellent question um see i i have a problem when someone says i'm a good person like like just just off the top like oh yeah i'm a good person like wait who determines that you're a good person right we run into the same exact issue if you yeah. yourself are determining that you are a good person well, who says you're right and who says you're wrong like you're already making a judgment of right and wrong on yourself which is already is already problematic because there's a bias among us right and, and so and so i i always wonder um you know, I'll go in, for example, uh, uh, Sabbath morning, um, uh, you know, I'm getting ready, put on my tie, and then I go out to my wife. I look, by the way, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, yeah, the tie goes well with my shirt, goes well with my suit. I go to my wife, and I say, hey, does this look right? And she's like, what are you wearing? Because if I'm looking at things solely from my point of view, and sometimes I, things are just going to look great on my side. Everything's going to look good. Everything that I did, and I have done, and I will do is great. But, but you need that, that third party perspective. You need that some, some other person to come in and say, wait a minute, that's not right. Now, would I trust another human for that? I don't know, because they're also flawed. This is why I would say the only one that can really tell me if I am right or I am wrong has to be a perfectly divine being. I don't see any other way around that. Now, could there be good Without God, well, this is part of what God does among us, right? There is so much grace and mercy in this world that I think there is good even when we reject God. But full goodness or full evil, right, is something that we choose, and we choose full goodness if we allow God in our lives. At least that's the perspective that I see in, in, in Scripture. Yeah, um, just kind of to back that up, um, uh, in Romans 2, 26 through uh, 27, Right. It talks about uh, when it's talking about circumcision, right? The people who believe themselves to be the people of God because of, of the covenant that God had made with them because of circumcision. In Romans 2.26, it says, so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and the circumcision but breaks the law. Right. So we make this uh, uh, let's, let's put this into layman's terms. This is telling me that someone who is going to church, who is, I guess, quote unquote, the, the, the uh, part of the, 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 the people of God. Right. But if there's someone outside of church who does good, that person in the end. Right. Who is doing good will then judge that person who was calling themselves a Christian, but was living something completely different. Yeah, and, and let me just add that uh, Jesus was asked uh, a question, but right before he was given this weird introduction, he said, uh, um, good teacher, right? And, and Jesus' statement is very clear. Right? Why do you call me good? There's only good in one person, in one being. Only one is good, and that is God. And see, that's the question. Is there thing, Are there things that are good in me? Sure, there are. Am I good? No. No, I, I can't say that. And we, we have an example of uh, exactly what you're saying, right? People like uh, Cornelius, right, in the Bible, who, who, uh, who uh, Peter went 
went went to Peter right to look for Peter and and it says your gifts have come your your gifts have come up as a memorial offering to the Lord right someone who was in essence not a believer right someone who was not a Jew of Jewish descent right so it is po- I, like you said I think it's possible for there to be good without a God well I wouldn't say no it's possible to be good we just do not credit that good to God right does that make sense fair enough can you be yeah. can you be completely good without god though can you no the bible good well, the bible says okay. the bible says no one is good not even one no one has understanding right Actually, someone put no in, one seeks someone god put in, just put that same exact line in the comments now there's none good not not one and that's so true because even the person could be as good as as as, as we could see we could see them and and they're just doing everything good like oh sorry about that they're just doing everything good they're they're like they're they're they they help in the church they feed the poor they do all of this but we don't know what they do behind closed doors and that that goes back to morality because a lot of the things that a lot of the moral things a lot of our moral um our moral uh beliefs like they're defined by what we do behind closed doors because outside Mm. i could show off to everybody that i'm a perfect christian but what i do inside my home how I worship God inside my home. Do I even worship inside God inside my home? Like what I do when nobody else sees me, I think that's really what ends up defining you as a moral or an immoral person because we could always, anybody could put up a facade in front of anybody outside of your home. But it's the people that live in your home or that really truly know you that really know, is this guy like just putting on a facade? Is this guy somebody that really like tries to stick to the, to the biblical morals or is this guy did he have you in any morals at all yeah i i think i think this this is a, a good segue uh when when we do good things and yet our heart is not in a good place uh to to kind of push to this to this question of why sometimes it is so hard uh to determine right from wrong right why is it so hard for us to practice good morality um and and i and i think when you start looking at things number one it's very nebulous out there. Like it's really, it's really confusing out there to figure out, well, should, should I do this or should I not do this? Right. Because there are like a million voices competing to tell you what is right and what is wrong. Um, and, and obviously this conversation eventually leads to asking the question, right? What, what do we do with scripture? But, but I, I want to see what you guys think about that as to why it is so hard sometimes to be, to be moral to, or to have good morality or positive morality. I think it's hard mainly because of what, how like the society or whatever it is where we are, uh, where it is that we're going. Like um, there was a, and I think I mentioned this to you guys, I was listening to a podcast and um, they were talking about um, the, the specific doctor. He's a doctor out of um, Southern uh, Adventist University, no, Andrews Adventist University. And um, he was saying that they were trying to judge some of those generals and whatnot that participated in the Nazi regime. Now, if we base the Nazi, if we were trying to judge the Nazis with their Nazi morals, with their beliefs that Germany had at the time, there's nothing we could point them at. There's nothing that we could point to them as wrong. We can't point a single finger at them because that's what their beliefs were. That's what their morals were at the time. So to them, they were correct. But then if we, at the time with the Western um, viewpoint of things, it, everything was horrendous. Right. And even as a, from a Christian viewpoint, what they were doing was horrendous. It was mass genocide, you know. But it really, how it's hard because 
sometimes our surroundings are not the adequate ones to make us have the like, growing correct morals. It, they don't allow us to uh, to build a good moral character in in, in the biblical sense. Hmm. Because let's say you put a, a a child in a good home, Christian parents, and then you put a child in a home with where there's drugs, where there's all these kinds of illicit things, who's going to have the better morals? But even still, you could raise them like that. And you think, oh, the kid that was that was in the Christian home is going to have the better morals. But then when they grow up, they're the kid that's we would consider as the child that's wilding out. While the kid that was growing up would, would be the slums, he all of a sudden, he's the pastor. He's uh, the kid that's helping J- us. Jason, Jason, so let me... Let me... difficult. Yeah, let me let me uh, let me interrupt real quick because I think this comes with a comment that we have in in uh, from Ivan coming in, uh, which is I think morals uh, are something that have been with us since we were little. Um, I, I'm assuming that it's a, and he says in his second comment it's it's out it's our way of growing up with rules. So is it is is morals just simply based on how we're raised? Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you wanted to say something to that or, or you wanted to say something. No, different. I actually want wanted to speak to what what Jason was saying. You know. Um, how we, we have someone that grows up in, in in two different environments, one filled with drugs or whatever, right? Who's gonna make, who's gonna have the 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 better morals? And I think we kind of looked at that. I, I I talked about it. I gave a quote from uh, I think it was Desire of Asian, just talking about Jesus and culture, right? How Jesus kind of dispelled all that, right? Uh, how uh, Jesus came from the lowest of the low, right? And and, and uh, 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 the culture that he came from, right? And he lived the perfect life. But I I, I wanted to kind of just uh, draw off that you know i want to give a shout out to uh black sheep productions is if, if geo is still in there i remember geo saying this one time that i thought i uh, made a, a a lot of sense um when we think of uh, the angels angels had a perfect environment mm-hmm. and a third of the angels still fell right right right, so, right, right. right, right. go ahead go ahead yeah go ahead oh uh, yeah yeah no, no, no. I, no, look, I guess I, I think it's an excellent point, right? I mean, this is this is the question about nature, about being raised up a certain way that does not guarantee that you will not end up doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I and I and I, I you know, I, I don't know your home specifically, but I think there may be a lot of people out there that were raised in good homes and ended up doing bad things anyways. Um, so so it, it, this is I think this is one of the reasons why. In fact, I, I, I uh, to the question of why it's so difficult, I have. I have two things that, that run to my mind. One, I think is like a, like a practical experiential reason, right? We have so many people telling us this is right and this is wrong. And I, and I think that becomes confusing after a while, but, but hear me out on this. I believe that the Bible gives us a comment as to why it is so difficult and it has to do with sin. There is no way we can have this conversation without talking about sin. And you look at the way the Bible describes the issue of sin and it describes the issue of sin as an inclination to do wrong, to do evil. In fact, I want to read a verse to you guys because uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good one. This is Jesus speaking, Mark chapter 7, verses 20 and onwards. He says, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, not outside, but from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Think about all the things that are evil. Like they're right there in that text. And then he says, all these evil things come from within 
and defile a man. You know what Jesus is telling us? Jesus is telling us that the inclination to do bad things, whether we are raised in a good place or not, are already inside of us. Like, like talk about a broken moral compass. We naturally lean towards doing what is bad as opposed to doing what is good. And you may say, I have good actions, but that's a, that's a funny comment because your actions may very well be to show off, to be prideful, to have people speak good about you. And so these actions that are positive don't necessarily represent a positive uh, a, a thing going on in your heart. Like literally the Pharisees would pray. That's a good thing. But they would pray to be seen by everybody. That's mm -hmm. not a good thing. So you, you see what's happening like inside of us. I think that's why it's so difficult because we naturally incline towards what's evil. Yeah. I uh, just wanted to add to that, you know, um, you know, why, why is it so hard to determine right and wrong? You know, uh, you said something uh, in the beginning that was interesting, right? Um, we have all these voices in our head, right? We have the, the little angel, uh, the, uh, the, the, this little, uh, the white little angel, and then the red little, uh, little devil on one side, right? That's how we see the conscience. But uh, I think it's interesting because we got to remember that not only is God trying to reach out to us, there's someone else that's trying to reach out to us as well, right? The Bible says that he's like a roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour, devour speaking of, of Satan, right? And um, even look, and we've talked about this before. I know we were mentioning it earlier in the Sabbath school, you know, thinking about the, the temptation. Sure. If you are the son of God, right? The second temptation saying comes to Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, uh, you know, throw yourself you know, from here and, and he will command his angels concerning you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Right. And Satan was not saying something bad initially, you know, that, that the angels would come and, and pick up Jesus. This wasn't something bad. Right. But he was taking it out of context because he knew that if Jesus used his power, it was all over. Right. So he was mixing in truth with a lie. And that's how Satan works. We have this voice, right. That mixes in truth. And, and, and with, with a lie, right? We see that in the, in the Garden of Eden, how uh, I talked about it before, right? Did God really say that if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die? No, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like him, knowing good and evil, hmm. right? Was Satan right in saying that he, that they would know good and evil? Sure, sure he was right, right? Because right? at the end, uh, when they fall, right? Well, what does uh, God say? You know, he says that we, no, we must not allow them to continue to eat from the tree of, of good and evil, or they will be like us, right? You know, and they will be able to live forever, right? So it's not that we just have one voice. We have many voices that are coming that are mixing in truth with a lie. And, and we say, well, why is it so hard to determine right and wrong? It's because, like you said, there's a great controversy behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 I and I want to I want to just say that with that question of uh, you will know good and evil, I, I've always asked myself, well, does that mean that Eve did not know what evil was? Um, because God had told him, don't do this. Like God had told him, this is wrong. Don't eat from the tree. This is wrong. There was, to me, I don't think God came in and left the question of what is right and wrong up to Eve. He clearly established what should be done and what should not be done. Mm -hmm. The question was for this idea of, well, you will know good and evil. It now becomes an, an, an experiential thing, right? It now becomes part of your experience. And as we know now, right? It became part of who Eve was. That's what God doesn't want in our lives. It's not even knowledge about what is right or what is wrong. The problem is practicing what is right and what is wrong, right? And and we may very well know, look, I mean, I know that if I eat a bunch of French fries, it, that's not going to do good at my cholesterol levels. And yet I like eating a bunch of French fries. 
knowledge by itself is not enough. We have to make a choice between right and wrong. And this is why I think the question of morality is so important because we know sometimes what's right and wrong. We just sometimes don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah sometimes, it, sometimes we base ourselves off of what feels good or what fills me at the moment mm, instead of what's really going to feed me down in the long run. Like you were saying, the, the fries example is actually a perfect example. The fries taste really good right now. They're fresh. They're, they're, they're really good. Yes. But in the long <laughs> run, is it going to be good for me? Is it going to be beneficial for me? It's right. not. It, it's just not. Like you said, it's going to, my cholesterol might get bad. I might get fat. Maybe later on, like down the road, if I continue mm. that bad habit, it's going to lead to heart disease. Mm. And that, that's the thing that we have to, that, that, that comes in play with our morals. Is it something that's really going to benefit me? Or is it something that, or, or is me disregarding my morals just because something is benefiting me at the moment and it feels good at the moment? Sometimes the, the things that feel good at the moment, it's really just, it's not the best for us. It's just not the best for us. And not, we could really sit down and make a list of all those things that can make us feel good at the moment. But it really is, God doesn't just want something momentarily for you. He wants something that's et eternally for you, you know? Yeah, and then just to add to that, uh, what you were saying, Mitch, uh, I thought it was interesting. You said uh, uh, the experiential knowledge, right? This idea that, you know, do I have to kill someone to know that it's wrong? Mm. No, right? It goes back to the moral compass that we're talking about. We don't, we don't have to experience these bad things or these evil things to know that they are wrong. It's something that's built within us. And mm. that, so, so it goes beyond just these things, these uh, uh, right and wrongs. It, it goes back to even experience, you know, saying, you know, well, in order for me to know what's good, I have to do what's bad. No, God has built that moral compass in us, right? That yeah. Compass. Yeah. Oh, and that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that is, wow. That that point right there, is so big and prevalent in our society right now. Look, um, you go in, okay, and you say, Man, I fell in love with this girl, right? For the girls, I fell in love with this guy, whatever it is, and then, but you know what? How do I know that uh, we're going to be compatible sexually if I don't have sex before marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And so and so it's like. It's like this mentality of no, no, I gotta, I gotta figure out for my own whether or not it is right or wrong. Man, that's nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. And the reason it's nonsense is because that one bad thing that you may be trying for yourself could actually kill you. I'm, I'm not saying having premarital sex will kill you. What I am saying though is that things that are not good and beneficial in our lives, things that are not right, right, things that are evil, can have a lasting effect on us, even if it's just one time. This idea of, well, how do you know you won't like drugs if you never tried them? What kind of mentality is that? Like, what kind of, what kind of logic is that? I don't need to know by tasting a, a, a whatever drug that it's going to be bad for me or it's going to be good for me. It's bad for you. Like that, like, and these are the things that this is, and by the way, this is why you cannot allow moral decisions to be subjective. They cannot be based on an individual or whatever you yourself think. You need something higher and better and superior to you to be able to say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. That's, that's flawed thinking, in my opinion, at least what we see nowadays. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. Because um, like you were saying, like the whole drug issue, how many, how many stories have we heard? The, the first time they ever tried it, and that was it. They OD'd. They were pronounced dead on the way to the hospital. Hmm. It's like that. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, it takes one, just one step, one step off 
that just completely leads us to down a different path than what God originally had planned for us. Now, um, something that something that I would like to clarify too is that when we talk about morality, I feel like there's a lot of Christians that just look at the a moral a morality from a sexual aspect, hmm. and that's not it. Yes, it, it implies that it, it implies anything that's sexual, but it also implies on how we act around each other when it comes to killing people, when it comes to stealing, when it comes to maybe doing a white lie. All of that goes into play uh, into the word of morality. I just wanted to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and just just for the record, I, I use that as an example. I'm not trying yeah, to say yeah. that's the only issue, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm glad you brought that up because the truth is that immoral issues or, or moral issues for that matter, right? Morality, um, it, it, it bleeds through every single, like literally every single aspect of our lives, mm -hmm. right? This is not something that you can say, oh, it's only about what I eat or what I consume, or it's only about sex. No, it's a lot more than that. Um, now, and, and just to clarify, none of us here, neither Jason nor Andrew, are claiming to be fully, completely, morally upright people, yeah. right? We are flawed, just like all of yeah. you as well, right? I, the person that I recognize that is completely, fully, morally upright is Jesus Christ and him alone. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, we've all sinned, the Bible says. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans. So, so we all deal with this issue, Right. Um, the, the, the concern obviously is how do we end up determining that? Now, before we go into this, before we go into the question of how we determine, I just want to recognize again, everybody that's watching us. Thank you so much for connecting. Uh, we do have some very interesting comments. Um, I, I think, uh, from, um, uh, from a secular point of view, says Elias, uh, an argument can be made that the moral compass can be established through evolution, the innate intention to progress humanity whatever promotes life. And I know he, and I know he writes in their devil's advocate. I know he's playing the other side of this, but I think that's a very good point because someone could say, Hey, wait a minute. As we progress as a society, we will determine. Yeah. And then I think that, that, that begs the, the, the next question that I want to ask, you know, how, no, who should determine right from wrong. Right. I think that that's the, the segue, right. Who should determine right from wrong. And I, and I wanted to kind of segue into this, right. Um, there was a, a quote that I wanted to read. For you guys um no there's a, a scripture that i want to read for you guys um you know when we look at the book of judges right um there's something interesting that happens there right throughout the book of judges obviously we know that there was no kings right in the book of judges we have people like samson people like uh deborah people like gideon right who god chose right to kind of take leadership but there was no specific kings and if we remember um uh, god was almost upset with the people of, of israel right when they wanted a king almost as if to say, well, God kind of took that as like a slap in the face, almost to say, hey, you know, I am your king, you know, I am your leader, but the people wanted a king so bad, right? So they chose Saul. And, and of course, we know the, the, the failure, I guess, that Saul was, you know, not in the beginning, but what it turned out to be. But we see, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, from what I looked up, uh, Judges is believed to have been written after, uh, uh, the, after uh, the king Saul and before King David. Right. And, and I find this interesting because there's a quote from uh, Judges 7 in J Judges 17, 6. Right. Because we're talking about who should determine right. Uh, right from wrong. And Judge, Judges 17, 6. Right. When there was no king, it says in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Oh, 
That's such a powerful quote. I want to read that right. to you again. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Right. Everyone did what was right in right. his own eyes. Right. Uh, we we all know the scripture uh, that says there is a way uh, uh, that that seems right to man that where within leads the way to destruction. Mm -hmm. Right. We have these ideas about what we think is uh, uh, right. You know, uh, I mentioned this earlier in the Sabbath school. Right. When um, uh, uh, Jesus is about to depart. Right. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. If, if that I must leave so that I, that I may leave you guys the advocate. Right. He says something interesting. He says the Holy Spirit that he will be sent in. Right. And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right. And of judgment. Right. But usually we get stuck on that word sin that the, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, but of righteousness of that what's good. Right. Not only what's bad, but he convicts us of what's good because we in our hearts think that we know what's good for ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. We ourselves have this idea aside from God. If there is no God, we all have different ideas of what we think. Is good, right? right? If you talk to all three of us, right, we might have different ideas about uh, uh, what do you guys think about murder, about killing, right? And you talk to every different person like, oh, well, I think you can kill, you know, if it's revenge. Well, I think you can kill. I don't think you can kill ever. Uh, well, and you have all these right. different opinions, right? And you start to see how without a moral lawgiver or a standard above us, all of a sudden we start to see different opinions and we start to see a subjective morality. And not, not just that, but if we, pay, if we put politics into play now, now it ends up being the leaders that we have, they're the ones that are gonna choose our moral values. We as Christians know killing is not okay, whatever it is. That's not my call, that's God's call. But yet we have politicians, we have lawmakers here that say the death penalty is okay. Right. Just to put it out there, I'm against that. That's not my choice. That's God. That's up to God. All right. But if we if 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 we go down that line, then and we have flawed people making our morals, we go back to that trend again. Our morals are going to be flawed. So in who, in my opinion, the only person, the only person that can choose your morals, that can make make a moral foundation for you, is a person that did nothing wrong. A person that that. That, 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 that's always been right, that's has, that has no blame, that has no sin. And as a Christian, we know that the only person that could do that is God. So, I mean, just, just, to, just to like really quickly answer that, who could choose my morals? I say it's God. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys agree on that. My morals are based on what God teaches me. Now, it is my, my option and it is your option, those who are watching, to follow those morals. God doesn't force them on you. He just gives you a guideline. He gives you, look, this is what's wrong. This is what's right. And he even could sometimes give you a list of consequences that could happen for doing what's wrong. Now, it is your choice to choose if you're going to follow those morals, if you're going to implement those morals in your life. He's never going to force you on that. Now, if you look in other religions or into other things, just to reach a little further, a lot of those that are revered as their... As their um, as their how how can I say what's De the deities deities as the deities uh, yeah. and all that they grew into that to that level of deity mm. they mm. they became they learned to mm. be perfect see with our with God the God of the Bible he didn't go into that he's always been he's that I he's that I am he's the Alpha and Omega he's been the same way from the beginning till the very end he's never gonna change so that just reassures me. That my my God is never going to give me an incorrect moral. 
He's not going to, he's never going to give me an incorrect teaching because he didn't learn to become like that. He didn't, he didn't look, look to become like that. He already was that. So if anything, I'm the one that should be looking to become like him. Uh, Yeah. uh, Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. um, no, I just want to continue to pick at this idea of subjective morality. Right. And I think it's something for hard, hard for us. I think we have to, you know, we, we struggle with this idea of morality. I think we sometimes we, we break it down so much that, that we have the answers and to all these questions, but we have to understand, you know, when it comes to morality, I think even though, you know, most of us will probably, uh, us three will agree that, that the, the higher standard would be God, right? I think there's something within us, right, that doesn't want to give up that control, right? Something in our, in our, in our hearts, that, that human, human part that, that says, you know, I want to be the moral arbiter of my life. Right. Andrew, Andrew, and, Andrew, give give that a name. What is that thing that is inside of us that does not want to give up control? What is that? Pride. Uh, okay. uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's pride. But even take a step before that, it's sin. Sin. This is this is this is literally what we believe in, right? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to make sure. Give it a name. It is sin. No. That is what leads that. Yeah. Absolutely right. We're we're living in a culture. It's all about I, right? Right. What I believe. What I think. What I should want. Right. This consumption. Right. Of I. Right. And um, I want to continue to pick, pick at this idea of subjective morality and, and see how, how that starts to play out, right? Because if we leave everything to sub- subjectivity, right? Everybody has their own opinions, right? It, it sounds like a good idea, but it's my good versus your good, right? So ultimately, when we look at subjective morality, we can't say that someone else's uh, subjective view is wrong. I can't say that, mo- that, that what Hitler did was objectively wrong because everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? When we live in a subjective world, all of a sudden we can't say that something is objectively wrong, that there's a stat, we're applying to a standard right above us, which is the standard of course that we believe in, but in a subjective world, everything, someone else determines uh, uh, your, uh, your, 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 the authority, right? Like uh, Jason was saying about uh, society, right? Uh, yeah, or yeah. culture, uh, right? Uh, Andrew, Andrew, but, but, here's, but here's the thing though. That's exactly what's going on right now, though. Yeah. I mean, which I mean, what you're saying is exactly true. Everybody says, I, as long as it, this is the idea, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, I can do whatever I want to do. And, and, and so we, we live literally what you're describing right now. We live in a subjective morale, uh, subjective, subjectively moral society. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, no, like, not, not just that. I like how Elias pointed this out. He's like, he's like, even Christians can be divided into what's moral. Even Christians fall into subjective morality because then even Christians are just saying, okay, do I really, do I really want to follow God to the full extent of what he's telling me to do? Even Christians fall under that. It's not just, it's not just people that don't have Christian morals. It's people within Christian morals that still fall under that category. Yeah. And and just to continue to pick at that idea, you know, this idea, right, who we say, you know, is it government that, that decides, you know, uh, all, uh, our morality, right? If we look at things like, and I was looking at this article where it talks about in Africa, where they sacrifice the albinos, right? Because they think that they're a curse and they eat them. Like, that's crazy to me. But in their worldview, that's good, right? What, if I'm living in a subjective uh, morality, what can I say to that person that they, how can I say to that person that that is objectively wrong? No, it's just according to their society, right? And we say, okay, well, fine. Someone wants to say society determines our morality, right? The problem is, how do you live that out? Mm-hmm. It's easy to say, yeah, we leave our, our morality to society. But when you say, when someone slaps you in the face and you say, 
you were wrong for doing that. You're saying you're you're uh, uh, going to a standard higher, right, than yourself. You're you're claiming that there's an authority, right? Maybe to that person slapping you was something good, right? So we're, we, when you say that we can live in a subjective morality, it, it's easy to say, but you can't live it out because you act as if murder is really objectively wrong. But what what is it to the person who 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 is a cannibal or who is the person that 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 is a that it's built into them that to, to kill people and they go through these mass murders to them that's good right so yeah, how can we yeah. apply you, you know what i'm saying yeah i do i do and i and i think that eventually it now becomes who has superior morals over somebody else because look i i, I used to work before I, I started ministry for those of you who don't know i used to work for an insurance company and i remember having a conversation with an individual who was claiming more things than what had actually happened in their accident and we were talking, I said, look, you can't do that. I, I can only pay you for what happened in your accident. And he said, why would you say that to me? He's like, look, the insurance companies rip us off all the time. Why can't I rip off the insurance at this point? And see, this is where it leads to, right? It leads to this point of, oh, because so-and-so does that, then I should be able to do this as well. Subjective morality does not work. It may seem nice at first, but eventually it becomes problematic, just as you're saying, because eventually I'm going to make a moral judgment on someone else and it no longer is subjective anymore. Now I'm trying to apply something objective over that person. So it, it cannot work. It is confusing. It is, it, is, it is weird. And by the way, this is the world we're getting into right now. I want to push back with a question for you guys now, you know, as we're talking about this, right? So well, the, the question I have, right, we're talking about uh, subjective morality. Now, my, my question is, like, what if someone says that our, our, the, the, we determine as humanity the morality because it's based on, you know, keeping each other, uh, doing good to each other, right? What do you guys say, say to something like that? Someone who says, you know, our morality is based on the, the human race, right, on bettering uh, ourselves, right? Or, you know, you've heard that, right? Sure, sure. I mean, what do you say to something like that? That's gonna go back. That's gonna go back on falling on everybody falling on the consensus of a of, of the of the correct morals. And if we're basing a, off of our morals, the morals that we create, they're flawed. We 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 said that earlier. Like we're flawed. So how are we gonna really make morals that benefit everybody? If to begin with, I'm already flawed. How am I gonna make something good out of something that's already like how are you? Like, not, not, not something, you know, something bad, but Jason, how are you going to make something good out of something that's already like flawed to begin with? Sure. J Jason, and let, me, and let me see if this is what you're trying to say. The idea is that uh, flawed individuals make a flawed group. Yes. I, if flawed yes. individuals do not make a perfect group, they don't. Flawed individuals will make a flawed society. And therefore, flawed society is going to make flawed morals. That, that's, mm -hmm. just, that's just, I, I cannot pull things out of nowhere. Right, we we know that they're bad things, but let me also say that this is this is perfect. This is exactly what's happening right now mm -hmm. in 2020 during this past week. Tell me there were not people protesting about uh, opening up everything because I need to go to work. So much for a a uh, consensus on society. Look, we went ahead, we did the quarantine to put that high the high risk population safe out of the virus's reach, and now you have people because uh, this is always what's going to happen. And for the record, the history of the world tells you that it is not possible. 
I mean, we had a doomsday clock going on in the year 1947, telling us that we were close. We were like uh, like a half a minute away from the end of the world because we developed an atomic bomb of which one nation thought it was proper and it was righteous and it was the, the, the good thing to do to drop a bomb and kill thousands and thousands of people over a country to end a war. Tell me if that's right. We cannot come up with consensus and make this world better. We have tried and tried and we keep failing. Historically, that is true. There is no way of denying that. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, just uh, kind of in conclusion, you know, um, I think uh, without God, it, it is impossible to to have that, 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 some, that, that objective morality. And, and better yet, it is impossible to justify that morality, right? Because if we think from the atheistic perspective, right, we're just a uh, slime evolved to a higher order right how do you justify that that makes which, sense which, you know? yeah which andrew by the way this because there was that question of evolution i want to make sure i mentioned that as well um the 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 overwhelming accepted theory of evolution is darwin's survival of the fittest yeah and the problem with darwin's survival of the fittest is that it basically says whoever is stronger survives and whoever is weaker does not survive by the way the christian ethic and the christian structure of morals says that both the strong and the weak are valuable in the eyes of God. When, when you think about it, this is how eugenics eventually starts developing. This is how, by the way, abortion also gets so much uh, uh, power and so much, so much uh, flight underneath this. Why? Because we start thinking, no, wait a minute. It's about me. It's about me surviving over someone else. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do to survive. By the way, just out of curiosity for everybody who's watching us, if all of a sudden there was only one roll of toilet paper and you needed the toilet paper and you were at Costco and it was the last one. Would you try to fight for it? Or would you try to say, Hey, you know what? No, you take it. Chances are you're going to try to fight for it. You if you need it. it, if you need to feed your children, if you need to feed yourself, if you need to survive, this is what is naturally wrong with us because we live in an imperfect world. We're going to go and do whatever we can over that individual. Just so happens that what God wants to do is make, is create this society where that's not the case. Yeah, human nature is selfish. So wherever human nature is, is is used to make whatever it is to be a law, to help someone else, we're going to look at it as a benefit for us. It's going to be what if, okay, does, does it benefit me to help this individual? If I help him, what's he going to help me with back later on? What are, you, what, what, what are you going to do for me lately, right? That's that's the, exactly. what, what have you done for me lately, right? Yeah, exactly. Or even still like, like, like right now, like, ever like, okay, like, you need a roll of toilet paper. Like, what are you going to hook me up with? You know? And I've seen that online. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it like, oh, if you guys give me this, I'll hook you up with the roll of toilet paper. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. You're, you're kind of still helping. It's like, it's still helping. But sometimes people do it with malicious intent, with just selfishness, with just them in mind. I'm sure if we go down the all the laws that have been made, how many of those laws have been made by those lawmakers with just them and their friends in mind? I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to say names. But if we, if we look at that, it's just with a certain area of, of society that's put in mind. It's not put everybody, putting everybody in mind. So whatever the human does, the human is selfish. It's, in our, it's, it's, it's our tendency to be selfish. Hmm. So when, when it comes down to morals, it's going to be something selfish. We're going to choose. We're going to choose the moral that benefits me when we don't have God in our lives. Because when we have God in our lives, it's okay. God is love. And the only way to, 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 to do everything correct is if I, the golden rule, what is it? Uh, 
do unto one another as you would like done unto you. It's not until we really fully understand that, until we really have the character of Christ in us, which is love, and we show love to others and help others because we love them and because we love God, that we're not going to have a correct view of morality. We're not going to have the correct morals within our lives. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to ask you guys a, a, a question, but before I do, I just wanted to end uh, on this whole part, right? Uh, this uh, objective morality that we're talking about, like what you said, uh, Mitch, about uh, survival of the fittest, right? This whole idea, right? I read this quote that said, honest atheism is despair, right? Because if we think about atheism, right? From their point of view, right? Like I was saying, we're just uh, this protoplasm evolved to a higher form. There's no way to justify their morality because why do good or why do evil if we're just a bunch of, you know, a, a, a protoplasm evolved to a high order? What, how do you justify morality from the atheistic point of view? It's just like you said, uh, right? Survival of the fittest, right? Uh, I want to kind of ask you guys a question, right? I thought, I thought this was an interesting question that it kind of came to my mind, right? Because we're talking about now, if we, if we have defined that the one who is supposed to define our morality is God, right? Is God, two questions, right? Is God's morality arbitrary? And the next question is, is something good because God says it's good? It, uh, so, so the first question is, if God's uh, morals are arbitrary, it, are God's uh, are God's moral are, are God's morals arbitrary and is something good only because God says it's good? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a I think that's a very good question. By the yeah. way, um, uh, I think I think perhaps right before we even try to answer that, um, I, I I almost think we have to talk about Scripture for a second, right? Because because that's what leads to the question that you're asking, mm -hmm. um, and and we as Christians believe that it is the Bible that tells us the word of God, we need divine revelation to determine what is right and what is wrong in our lives. But this then leads to that question, right? Uh, so it, it, does God simply just say, I think this is good and I think this is bad. Uh, and there's no logical reason behind it. It's just something that he just randomly decides, which is the, the idea of arbitrary. And then is it good simply because God says it's good? Um, so it depends on what type of God you believe in, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm going to take the God of scripture, the Bible tells me very clear that God is both love and he is fully, fully righteous, right? There, there is no ounce of evil in him. There is not a drop of anything wrong in him. And therefore we are talking about a perfect being. If God was like me, if God was like me, I would have a problem with God telling me what is right and what is wrong. And I would say, God, you're simply saying that's good because you just want to say that's good. But if God is innately good, if he is love, if he is righteous, if he is justice, if he is mercy, if he is all the good things that we, uh, 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 that we desire, that we strive for in society, then when God says, this is good. It is because it is coming from a perfectly righteous and perfectly wise God. Like I can't stress that enough. So the problem I think is whenever we try to attribute God, God's characteristics, my characteristics, right? The moment that I say, Hey, God is like me, then mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Right. You could say, well, maybe this is just arbitrary, but that's not the God that we find in scripture. By the way, uh, it is amazing that when you look at the cross, you see a manifestation of perfect love and perfect justice. There is no other way of doing that in any, in any other matter, right? And that shows you how perfect God is. 
Therefore, if a perfect God is telling me this is right, it is because it is right. Not because he says it is right, but because it is naturally right because it's coming from perfection, not from anything else. I don't know if that answers the question. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna, uh, I thought it was a good question, right? And I, I looked up the word arbitrary, which says based on random choice or personal whim mm -hmm. rather than any reason or system uh, or, or any reason or system, right? And you nailed it, uh, you know, right, right, on, right on the point, right? You know, God is ultimately, you know, love, right? So it's not for any reason, right? And and, and this, uh, this morality is something not like you said that he just says, but it's something that flows out of his character. Mm -hmm. He is all these things, right? So this morality is who he is. So it's not that he says these things, but that it flows from his character. No, not just that. Like, um, well, we're saying that, like you were saying the definition, it's nothing, something out of self-whim. Now, a lot of people might say like, oh, the 10 commandments, like, oh, like the first ones that are for God, like, oh, that's, that's, that's just him because he's being selfish for it. No, let's just look at, let's just look at today, mm -hmm. Sabbath, the seventh day. What is it that we're supposed to do? What does the, the 10 commandments say? Right rest that one day that you use rest from everything that you do to the week and specifically for him but let's just look at the rest part there was a study done um i remember i read this in school for for one of my psychology classes it was done and it was saying that the individuals or cultures um that separate one day out of the week just to rest mm. from everything else that they do mm. have less hypertension have less heart disease and i forgot what, how the list went down but it was already just beneficial to have one day. Right, right. Now God on this on the Sabbath day, he's he he didn't just he didn't just make it for him for us to like worship him and like and all that, that like and make it something just completely focused on him because he's being selfish. He made it okay. Look, I want to spend time with you. It's not just selfish, but while you spend time with me and you unfocus from everything else that you've been doing during the week that's been stressing you out. You spend time with me, you're going to de-stress. Hmm. You're going to relax. It's not going to be necessarily something something that's going to burden you a lot. And we have to be careful with that. Because I know Mitch has experienced this as a pastor, that sometimes if any day the Sabbath is a day that's really loaded for him. What? It's supposed to be what? a day of rest. I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be careful with that, but we can't say that God has done this out of a selfish whim. Hmm. He gave us the Sabbath day. One, for us to spend time with him, specifically just to spend time with him, and two, to rest. So even just with that, we could, we could technically debunk that God is not doing it selfishly. He's doing it out of love for us so that we could rest in him and with him. Yeah, and, and, and for the record, I mean, loving God, there is, a, there, is, there is still a human benefit to it. Also, mm -hmm. allow me to say that if God is our creator, he can establish the rules. Right. I mean, if, if God is the one that created us, he look, if I build a computer, I I'm, I'm essentially telling the computer how I want it to work. Exactly. Right? If, if, if I go in and I design a poster, I'm telling how I want the poster to look. And so if God has created us, you would assume that he would also tell us this is what's right. And this is what's wrong. These are the rules that you play by. Right. Um, I, I, I want to make sure we get to these questions because there's a question that Elias, I don't know if you saw that, Andrew. Uh, I, I, in fact, I, I'm assuming Jason, Andrew, you guys also have the chat up and you, you guys yeah. can see it again. Thank you for everybody that's, uh, that's still with us. And we'll probably start uh, wrapping this up soon. Um, but um, uh, Elias's question is a very interesting one. He says, is it wrong to try to defend godly principles with science, uh, such as abortion? This is the example he gives being wrong. 
because an embryo is potential life. How do we approach a non-Christian with unscientific biblical principles? Very, very good question. What do you guys we think? We don't know the future. We don't know the future. Um, when I took the actually embryology class for one, the, for, the very, for the very beginning of the class, our, our teacher, our, our professor for the lab, gave a very interesting um, a very interesting PowerPoint. And in the PowerPoint, it was saying all these, like this kid had autism, this kid had this, this, and this, and this. He would tell us, the, 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 slides, the PowerPoint would tell us all the bad things. And then it would tell us, but this baby grew up to be Beethoven. But mm. this baby grew up to be Mozart. But mm. this baby grew up to be Leonardo da Vinci. And we, uh, as, a, as, a, as a society, we see those people as individual, indiv um, influential um, uh, people that have lived around. They've, they've, they've produced some of the best, um, they've composed some of the best classical music, some of the greatest paintings around. Now imagine if those babies were aborted because we knew they came with a malformation. We don't, we, sure. we don't know. We don't know what God's plan is for that child. We don't, we, we really don't know. So I can't say, and I can't say like, I can't say like, oh, you could abort them. If anything, that I, I could use science to, 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 um, to, if anything, I could do science to back my point up. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But if I abort them, how am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to answer? How am I going to find the answer to that? If anything, that's what the, that's what the, um, that's why we, 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 we create the whole hypothesis, the whole the series of hypotheses that we create, how science experiments are done. We don't know the answer to it. So how am I going to end something that I don't know the answer to? Just, yeah, just I, on the topic of abortion. That's just on the topic of sure, abortion. Sure, sure. On, on top of abortion, I think on the topic of science, I always have I always have a tough time with this question. Not, not to answer it, but I have a tough time with the premise of the question. This idea that uh, Christian beliefs are either anti-science or on the other side of science. It's a weird thing because if you think about it, science um, it basically studies the order of the universe, whether at a microscopic level all the way to a cosmic level, right? Um, there is order that science discovers. There is nothing outside of, of, of the realm of science, or sorry, there's nothing that science doesn't, doesn't study or doesn't review, right? That doesn't have to do with order. The only reason you can even come up with hypotheses or theories or even facts is because there is a pattern that establishes itself over and over in nature. Where's the question? Who comes up with that pattern? Who has designed the universe to repeat itself over and over again? If you think about it, you'll get a scientist who will look out in a telescope and look at the colors of a star and will say, well, look, because these are the colors that show up, then that means, therefore, right? Therefore, that means that there are these types of gases in this planet. How do we know that? That's only because we've observed already a pattern within our own world, a structure within our own world. Well, where does our structure come from? You say, well, nature. Well, fine. Who put the structure in nature? Why isn't nature random? Why is it this, 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 uh, this very orderly thing? But the reason why it's orderly is because you believe, well, again, as Christians, right? We believe that there is a creator that has established a order or an order in this world. And when you, when you determine that, then you got to start wondering, wait a minute. So if the creator has established this order, what else has this creator done? Look, the question of abortion is an interesting one, I think, because you say, well, can we, can we go against abortion based on science only? You mean based on observation? On the fact that that child is seven, eight months later, nine months later is going to become a baby? Like that's, like that's fact. That's, that's true.
And then comes the moral question. Well, wait a minute. If this is going to become a human being that's going to grow up and become a Mozart, should we do this? Right? Like, I, I don't see how they're separated. Um, I, I think that Christian principles, more often than not, are supported by scientific claims as opposed to uh, uh, denied by them. Right? And, and we come from it as saying God is the authority. But it's not like God is not a God of order. God is a God of order. And the science that we have is only because God is a God of order, if, if that makes sense. No, like what I find crazy is that if we look at the laws of, of thermodynamics, the second law itself mm. says that, um, let, me, let me look it up so I could say exactly how it says. Mm. The, the second law of thermodynamics states that all closed systems tend to, tend to maximize entropy. And entropy is, is the measure of disorder. Mm. So if anything, everything points to disorder. So if we're going to base everything off of science and if we're going to use mm. science to back up God, if anything, science is the one that could fail God because God is a God of order and science is just practically stating that everything pushes to disorder. Right. And, and, now, yet, and we don't, and we don't see that yet because we still see order in our universe. Like that's still present. Exactly. We, we, we still see that at the moment because God is still trying to, he's still here. He's still with us, you know? Um, now imagine if there was no God, the whole survival of the fittest wouldn't even matter. If I go right now into a cage with a tiger, who's going to die first? Mm. Me. You know? So is it now that tigers are going to run everything? Mm. No, that's not how it works. God put human in the beginning. God, the, the, the job um, God gave Adam was to name every single animal there, to have authority over them, to name them, you know? So that, that's our, that's our, our, our job. But if, but if if we're gonna if we're gonna base it off of science, science is always in some shape or form gonna fail God. But God doesn't fail science. God doesn't fail us. Sure, sure, sure. No, absolutely. Um, uh, Andrew, I'm sorry. You wanted to say something? No, I was just gonna say. You know, back to the question, right? Can we use you know uh, science to kind of support the principles of the Bible? I don't think there's there's anything wrong with that. I think uh, um, you know Jason was mentioning something. I think it was last week, right? We're always talking about the design of the body, right? Mm. And, and how, how that, I guess, pushed him to believe in God even more, right? And uh, I think that absolutely that there's things in, the, in science that actually support uh, more than anything. But, you know, from my perspective, when we talk about, you know, just like you said, it's like that touchy subject, you know, what do we think about, you know, uh, the Bible and science? How, how do we relate these two? You know, and one of the things that, that, uh, that came to my mind is, you know, we think of science and we, th and we think uh, of the Bible to me, so when someone says, you know, oh, I can disprove the, the Bible, right, through mm -hmm. science, right, to me, it doesn't make sense, because if we look at the Bible, there's no science in the Bible. The Bible is a narrative, it, it is a, a historical account, so to try to look at it from the lens of science, it, it, it doesn't, the two, you know, they're two separate things, sure. right, and so to say that they're to to disprove the Bible with science, I don't I don't think it's possible because there's no science in the Bible to disprove. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I although I would say this, I just just to kind of I I know exactly what you're trying to say, but I would also say that although the Bible is not a scientific book, because I think that's what you're trying to say, it is yeah. not a scientific book. So let's not go science versus exactly. science. Exactly. We have to be true right. to to the narrative of the right. Um, there there are elements in Scripture that point to what we are proving in science, right? Mm -hmm. What we have discovered in science. So, um, although- Scripture Well, actually, is, like Andrew was saying, 
one of the points that I said was Jesus sweated blood. Yeah. And science, I don't know how long ago it was, but science completely gave that validation that you could literally sweat blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and so uh, I, I think it's always a good question because, uh, you know, more often than not, nowadays we hear, uh, and I think it's a line of a movie or something, uh, I believe in science, right? That's, uh, what do you believe in? I don't believe in God, I believe in science. And, and, and I don't know if science has any at all ability to determine what is moral. I don't think that's the role of science either way, right? Uh, so, so I, I, at least what we're coming from is the idea that morality should come from God because he is better, because he is higher than we are, because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not, are not our thoughts. He is perfectly good, perfectly righteous. I mean, he is just he is just love, right? In its purest sense and form. And therefore that is a better authority than anything that we could come up with. Uh, and, and I think that's the point. Um, so, so we got to start wrapping up the, the, uh, yep. the conversation. Uh, we've been almost going on for an hour and a half. We want to thank you for sticking around with us here. Um, and um, uh, a couple of things before we just kind of say our last statements here. Number one, um, we've been taking very seriously your comments about what topics we should discuss. We take them very seriously. We pray about it. We talk about it. And then we say, hey, I think this is what we need to talk about in the next few weeks. Um, if there is a topic that you say, hey, I think, I think we want you guys to talk about this, uh, let us know. Okay, let us know because we do want to hear from you. That's the first thing. The second thing is we appreciate you guys being involved in the conversation. Uh, means a lot to us. Uh, again, we're not coming here from like a point of view where we know better than all of you, right? It's just easier to have a conversation between three of us as opposed to have a conversation between 23 of us. But uh, we want to include these comments and, and we also learn from you, right? So as we're going along, we all three of us are looking at the comments. We can read them and, and we do appreciate that you are all involved. Um, now to wrap this up, Jason, Andrew, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm just curious here. Do you trust yourself in making or, or forming your, oral, your own moral structure? Do you trust yourself? I'm asking you guys personally. Uh, uh, Jason, do you trust yourself? Yes or no? I don't. Okay, Andrew, do you trust yourself? I think there has to be some sort of trust to be able to put our trust in God, right? And not in ourselves. No, 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 so right. But what completely... I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, do you trust yourself to just exclude God out of the process? No, no, okay? no, no I'm, I'm just going to figure it out. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. I understand what you're saying. Um, I, and I'll, I'll add myself to that. I do not trust myself in forming my own way in, in, in between what is right and what is wrong. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, Andrew. And no, just to add to that, uh, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind, right? If you say that you trust yourself, right? All you got to do is think about the things that cross your mind that only you know about and God knows about. Mm. Think about that something, though, though you don't have to say that to anybody else, but think about your own thoughts that go through your head and you say, do you trust that mind? Mm. Uh, and the answer is no, I do not no. trust my own mind on that. Absolutely not. Uh, there was a study that showed, and this is just kind of uh, to start wrapping things up. There was a study that showed that among Generation Z, okay, so hear me out here. These are what? Um, Generation uh, Zoomers. Yeah, I don't know, but it would be what ages? Um, that's past uh, millennials, right? Yeah, that's past yeah. millennials. Millennials, I think, are all the way up to what? Uh, 90, 95, I believe, 90? No, I believe last time I looked at it, I think it was like 98. Okay, so 98. All right. So anybody born after 99 onwards. So we're talking about 21 20, 19-year-olds, somewhere around there. 
uh, among Generation Z, uh, 23%, sorry, um, uh, 21% believe that an individual is his or own moral authority, okay? Uh, think about this, right? Generation Z, 24% strongly agrees that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. So you see that there is a lot of subjectivity among our younger generations. So let's finish with this. And this is my final question for you guys. Um, if, if we had to make one pitch, right? Just, just this, is, this is the last thing that we could tell someone on why we should allow God through scripture to determine our morals. What would you say? And if, if this was the last thing you could tell someone, why you should let God determine your morality, what would you say? I think I would say, when have, I would ask him more like, okay, when has God ever hurt me? When has God done every, anything to do something wrong against me? I think that, that's what I would say, because God, God isn't going to do nothing of that. So mm. why would I want to not trust in him? Okay. Okay. Jason, that's good. Uh, Andrew, what would you say? No, I, I think I would piggyback off that point, right? Back to what everything we're talking about, if God is all love, right? And, and his interest is, is, is for us completely, right? Who are his creation, who, who says that he wants all of us to be saved, right? As the scripture says, and if his full interest is, or for us, that that means that that standard that he's placed there is not for us to to uh, to restrict us from saying, hey, I don't want you to do these things just because I don't want you to do these things, right? Mm -hmm. It's not arbitrary, like we said. There's a reason behind it. There's a protective barrier for it, right? It's it's something in place, right? Uh, I, I actually have this quote here that I, that I wanted to read that I uh, um in, in great controversy great controversy 493 it says the law of love being the foundation of the government of God. The happiness of all the created beings mm. depended upon their perfect accord with its great principles of righteousness. Mm. You know, so the law of love is the foundation, right? If we think about that, you know, versus the, the foundation that we put, which is just I, self and selfishness. If we look at subjectivity at its, at its lowest foundation, foundational point, it's selfishness. It's what I want. But if we look at the foundation of God's morality, which is said right there in that quote, this is the law of love being the very foundation right. of his moral uh, objectivity, then I, I would say give it 100% to God. Yeah, I think those are great answers, guys. I, I, would, I would point to Jesus. Um, I would point to Jesus and say, man, Jesus is the greatest, greatest human being that has ever existed. And obviously, as God himself, as the son of God, um, Jesus has shown us that his way is superior. We have corrupted his way throughout time. There is no denying that. But what Jesus represented, loving God, loving your neighbor, doing what's right, uh, rejecting what is wrong, um, always thinking of others before you think of yourself, those things sound like a great place to live in. And so the more that we follow what Jesus has established, I think the better our society will be. At least that, yeah. that, that would be my pitch. Um, very well. So uh, again, we want to thank everybody that's joined us. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a quick word of prayer, um, and uh, but but before we pray, uh, again, if you have something for us, like a conversation that you want us to have, a topic, let us know. Uh, if everything goes well, we will be on next week around the same time at 4 p.m. Should be on, uh, ready to continue talking about scripture, about life, about what we're going through, about our experiences. More than anything, we're just trying to have a conversation to reach something even better. And that is, Bible says uh, that the gospel calls us 
to the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to, do. We want to all reach that glory eventually. Uh, and so, uh, Jason, Andrew, thank you once again. Uh, Andrew, you want to lead us in a, in a final word of prayer? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful once again, Lord, that you bring us here to have another uh, uh, conversation, Lord, just amongst brothers. But with so many people watching, we just ask, Lord, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, may work in, not only has it been working in us, but that it may work in all those that are hearing, right? That these, uh, these words may not go in one ear, not the other, Lord, but it may be something foundational, Lord. And Lord, above all, we're just so thankful, Lord, that we look to you to establish our morality because we know it's based on love, 100% love, Lord. And, and you're just looking out for, for, for our good and our happiness and our benefit, Lord. And we just want to ask that you would continue to help us in this struggle of morality because it's not easy. It's something that we can talk about, right? But uh, it's something that, that's, that's harder to put in practice, Lord. And, and, and we've seen that unless we are constantly in connection and communion with you, Lord, uh, that, that morality can, can quickly turn subjective, Lord. I just ask that you would be the one working in our hearts to change them. I ask this in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Once again, thank you, everyone that's joined us. Thank you, everyone that stuck around with us. We know this one was a little bit longer, uh, but it was a blessing to have you. Jason, Andrew, thank you so much once again. Uh, to everybody, we're still in quarantine. Got to keep washing those hands. Got to keep wearing that mask. And just in case, if things are going crazy, five words for you. Keep calm and Advent on. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great Sabbath.